Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. encourage you on a couple of things here. Okay, maybe three. Okay. Number one, God loves you. God loves you. And he wants the best for you. That's still number one. That's not number two yet. God loves you. He wants the best for you. Number two, he is more concerned about your spiritual life than your physical comfort. That really bums me out, but uh, it's true doesn't really bum me out, okay? I'm glad he does. And he'll do what's ever necessary. And number three, it's all about him anyway. It's all about him. In today's message, Pastor David takes us back through many of Paul's hardships that he endured for the sake of the gospel. Paul nearly lost his life, and he had ongoing issues that he struggled to understand. Why did Paul have to endure these difficult times? Could he have accomplished more had his life been smoother? Paul knew the answer. For he believed that it was because of his troubles that God was able to use him in a mighty way. God's strength was made perfect in Paul's weakness. Now here's Pastor David with part three of today's message, The Apostles' Challenge. Most of these events that he, that he just lists here, we read about in the book of Acts, events that took place during those three missionary journeys. And yet even Luke didn't list everything that Paul shares with us here. Can you imagine the, the ad that Paul would have listed in monster.com? And then he goes into a little bit of his personality. Verse 29, who is weak that I'm not weak? Who is made to stumble that I don't burn with indignation. Why? Because he cares for the church. He sees the need of the people and meant he's right there with it. He says in verse 30, if I, if I must boast, I'll boast in the things which concern my infirmity. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I'm not lying. Okay, Paul, we see your resume. We see your degrees. We see all your on-the-job experience. We see the classes that you took in the real-life college, real-life experience college. But we need a list of references, too. Okay, I've got two. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I'm not lying. I believe that Christ himself is a pretty good reference also. God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only references that I've got. That'll have to do. I think those are pretty good ones. Now, of course, if you're listing your job and your life experiences, you want to include, again, some of your relations, 
some of your interactions with community leaders. Uh, so Paul lists at least one particular encounter with a community leader. Actually, he's a, an official. He's a politician, if you will. Look at verse 32. While I was in Damascus, the governor under Aretas, the king who guarded the city of the Damascians with a garrison, oh, he desired to arrest me, but I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and I escaped from his hands. How'd you deal with the community around you? Well, they let me out, you know, the wall through a window. That's how it worked because they wanted to arrest me. I'm sure that had to be a bit humbling to Paul, even as he's writing here, but he's very honest with the church there in Corinth. This is the real deal. This is who I am. You need to know not only my, my place and my ministry, but you also need to know the sufferings that I received in the midst of that ministry. Now, this is where we move on into chapter 12 uh, because I believe that Paul continues on into his standing, his experience spiritually as we move on into chapter 12. Look at verse one. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I'll come to visions and revelations of the Lord. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, rather in the body I do not know, or rather out of the body I do not know, God knows. Well, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. Now, we spoke about this in the not too distant past, that within the Jewish mindset, there were actually three levels of what we would call the heavenlies or heaven. The first level is the, the, the sky, the atmosphere that we breathe. That's the heaven also for the Jews, but that's the first level of heaven. Second level of heaven is the, the galaxies and the universe, the stars that go beyond that, outside of our atmosphere. That's the second level of heaven. The third level of heaven for the Jew is where God abides. So when Paul says, I was caught up into the third heaven, he says, man, I was brought right into the presence of God. And so we're, we're looking here, and, and Paul is stating that this man, he's not even stating that it's him, but it is him, we find out later, that this man experienced a, a, a pre-rapture. As a matter of fact, the word that he used there is harpazo, and that's where we get our word uh, rapture from. Harpazo in the Greek, rapturus, rapturus, from the Latin rapture. It's a, a pre-rapture experience, I think, is what's taking place there. He says in verse three, I know such a man, rather in the body or out of the body, I do not know, but God knows how he was harpazo, he was raptured up into paradise. And he heard inexpressible words, which it's not lawful for a man to utter. Such a one I'll boast, yet of myself, I will not boast except in my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I speak the truth. But I, I refrain lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. Paul was clear here, that experience, that time of, again, being raptured into heaven, rather in the body or out of the body, he says, I don't know, that, that time in his life, he was very clear here that it wasn't about him. That's why he didn't say, hey, guys, you trust in these false false, let me tell you, any of them been to heaven? I got raptured up into heaven, man. I saw things no man should see. I heard words spoken that no man should speak. No, that's not where he's going. He says, I just know a guy. I just know a guy. No, he doesn't own an auto shop down here. I just know a guy. 
It was all about the Lord. How, how often we move into the idea that when God uses us or blesses us or reveals something to us, wow, I must be something special. Listen to what God revealed to me. And yet, I love what Solomon says. Hey, don't forget, there's nothing new under the sun. Why would God reveal anything to you? Or me, for that matter. Why would he? For his glory. Not for yours, not for mine. For his glory. That's the only reason. God gave me this great revelation. As though it's all about you. Rather than the Lord simply finding a vessel to reveal himself through. Paul didn't even fess up to the fact that that it was him who experienced it. He says, I know such a man. Rather in the body or out of the body, I really don't even know that. But God knows. And he was caught up in it. And then in verse 7, he says, unless I should get a big head over this, well, okay, my version, that's what my version says, but the King James, New King James says, lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. I cannot tell you the number of hypotheses there are within the theological community of what that messenger of Satan is. That thorn in the flesh that was there. I could come up with speculations and I could mention all kinds of things, but beloved, we just really don't know. We can speculate that it was a problem that he had with his eyes, we just don't know. Some say that you know some of the writings, some of the Areas in Paul's writing say, see uh, with what big letters I write as I sign this myself, that he had problems. One of the reasons why he dictated most of the letters is because he had problems with his vision that went all the way back to the Damascus Road when he saw that great light. Okay, great story, but you need to understand it's speculation. We, we don't know that for sure, but it does sound really good. But can you imagine all that God had for Paul to do, all the ministry that this brother was doing and him not being able to see. Let let me ask you here, how many of you have have gone through, you either have them now or have you gone through cataract surgery? Okay, Okay, a good portion. Well, can you imagine cataracts being just so, 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 so bad that, man, you couldn't even see hardly in front of you? Maybe that's what the problem was. We don't know. But I do know this, that he asked the Lord. He says, verse 8, concerning this thing, whatever it was, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. I've shared with you guys plenty of times that I don't believe this was, you know, one Thursday night, Paul got really bummed about his sight, and so he prayed, Lord, deliver me from this. Lord, deliver me from this. Lord, deliver me from this. Three times. And God didn't do it, and so he walked away. I think more likely in in just the tone of who Paul is, I think there were probably at least three seasons in his life that that eyesight thing got to be such a burden for him 
And he probably cried out to God. Just cried out to God. God, remove this thing from me. I want to be able to serve you in the fullness without this thing being a stumbling, without this being a struggle. I want to be able to move forward with the freedom that I, that, that I can minister in a, in a much greater way. Lord, remove this from me. He prayed. I believe, you know, I believe that Paul actually even prayed in faith. I know that's kind of silly to think. But there's some within the church say, if you would simply pray in faith, you'd be healed. Your problem is, is you haven't prayed in faith. I believe that maybe Paul, even when he prayed for these one of those seasons that he prayed, he might have got some of the brothers around and said, look, would you, would you guys anoint me with oil and pray with me? Why wouldn't he do that? That's, that's biblical. That's what the Word of God says. But you know what? God didn't heal him. So what is it? Paul didn't have enough faith? Think about this for a moment, church, when you hear the blabberings and the foolishness that's being declared in the Christian community over and over and over, and the guilt that's being laid on believers because they haven't been healed. And so they go home, and they're all bummed out, and they're stressed out because, gosh, what's wrong with me that God wouldn't heal me? He healed a person next to me, but he didn't heal me. And so suddenly... Satan has even more ammunition to come upon you because doubt, because frustration, and even lessen your faith. Paul says in verse 9, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. You know, beloved, I think that we ought to bring that out more and more, and more. Do I believe in healing? Absolutely. I believe that God is more than able to heal perfectly and completely supernaturally. Some of you have seen on Facebook uh, Sharon Sinnott's uh, testimony of how, the God, how God healed her knees that had been bothersome to her for years and years, almost to the point of absolute total depression because of the pain that was there. And she was watching a television program and they prayed. And the television program said, I believe that somebody out there is dealing with a problem with their knees. And there's no cartilage in between those knees. I believe that God is growing that cartilage. But Sharon just prayed in faith. She said, the amazing thing is, is I got up and I could walk without pain. I love it. Did God heal her? Why couldn't he? Why wouldn't he? Why didn't he heal her a year ago, though? I'm sorry, my brain goes that way, okay? My brain thinks, well, how come that didn't happen before? Until I realize this is all in God's timing, and it's all for God's purposes, and it's all for God's glory. Even here where it says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. Even tonight when we sit here amongst us in the different uh, uh, frailties of our humanity that's spread out all over this auditorium, I don't doubt that many of you have prayed for healing in different areas, either for yourself or for a loved one. And in some cases, we see it happen. Other cases, we don't see it happen. I want to encourage you 
on a couple of things here. Okay, maybe three. Okay. Number one, God loves you. God loves you. And he wants the best for you. That's still number one. That's not number two yet. God loves you. He wants the best for you. Number two, he is more concerned about your spiritual life than your physical comfort. That really bums me out, but uh, it's true. It doesn't really bum me out, okay? I'm glad he does. And he'll do what's ever necessary. And number three, it's all about him anyway. It's all about him. I know at first glance, that doesn't help in the middle of the night. But you know what, if we'd allow ourselves to meditate on that truth, I think it would. Particularly when we look at the whole resume of Paul. All that Paul went through, why? Because he was faithful to the call of God in his life. Paul could have backed off at any time. I'm not going to prison again. I I, I don't want to be stoned again. That's with rocks, folks, okay? I I, I don't want to be beaten again. I just had to make it clear for some of you. Okay. He just said, I'm done with that. I, I want to back away. But you know what? He didn't. He continued on. And for you and I in our lives, and there's those areas that are struggling. My prayer is that this becomes actually a, a faith builder because we see a guy like the Apostle Paul that went through so much in ministry and he stayed true and faithful to the Lord. He went through so much somewhere that thorn in the flesh and he remained faithful to the Lord knowing that God's grace is sufficient for him, knowing that God's strength is made perfect in his weaknesses. So, Beloved, the things that you and I can't do, the things that we struggle with, the things that, again, just weigh upon our lives, those are the things we continue to lift up to him. Say, Lord, I have no control over this, but I know you love me, and I know that you want the best for me in your kingdom. That's why Paul tells us here in the second part of verse 9. He says, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, this is a hard one, I know. I take pleasure in infirmities. I take pleasure in reproaches. I take pleasure in needs. I take pleasure in... In persecutions, I take pleasure in distresses. I take pleasure for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, that's when I'm strong. He ends up this section, verse 11. I become a fool for boasting, but you've compelled me to do it. For I ought to have been commended by you, for in nothing was I behind the most eminent super apostles, though I'm nothing really. Truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. But what is it 
in which you were inferior to any other church, except that I myself was not burdensome to you. Forgive me this wrong. That's a guy with a heart. You see this attitude of Paul, see all that he's gone through, and yet his willingness still to pour his life out to the church. That was the apostles' challenge. But let me throw this as we leave here tonight. You and I, we may not be apostles. We may not be those that are sent out, representatives. But in one hand, we all are. Because in one hand, we are all, as believers, called to be ministers of the gospel to a lost and dying world around us. What is the challenge in your life that keeps you silent? What is the, silent, what is, what is the, what is the attack upon your personhood that keeps you from speaking out the truth of Christ, either through actions or words? What is the challenge in your life? When you look at Paul, you see all that he went through? I don't think any of us are going to be beat up with rocks. I don't think any of us are going to be, at least hopefully not in the current administration, put in jail for the gospel. I'm going to be beaten. They may say things about us. They may threaten us. They may do other things. Let me ask you, when you look at all of this, and Paul says, all these things he did for Christ's sake. I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. Oh, that we as the church in these last days would have that kind of an attitude. That that would be our memory verse for this next week. Yeah. I'm going to take pleasure in infirmities. You know what? My body's not working the way I wish it was. It's all right, God. I know you got this. I don't like it. I'm not happy with it. But you know what, God? I'm giving it to you. In reproaches, you know those guys where I work, they won't even begin to listen. I'm trying to share with them my faith. Those guys, my neighbors, they don't, they don't, they're not willing to listen. Even when I try to do good deeds and reach out to them, they don't even want to listen. They speak things against you and your kingdom, Lord. That's okay. I'm going to continue to do it. My needs, Lord, you know that I have needs within my life. I'd rather be financial needs, physical needs, relationship needs, whatever those needs might be within our lives. Lord, I want to lift that up to you because I know that I'll be strong as I submit these things to you, even in the midst of my needs. Persecutions, the distresses, Lord, let me go through those things, but let me go through those things with your strength, with your might, with your power, not in my own, in order that I can rejoice. Let us be those that accept the challenge of staying true to Christ and staying bold in our witness in order that Christ might be honored in all things.
2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That means you're made completely new in Jesus. He has washed away every sin that has blemished your past and has given you the opportunity to start fresh and live a different life. If you want to know more about Jesus and the life of forgiveness and love He has waiting for you, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. That number again is 520-836-9676. You can also send us an email by visiting our website at theopenword.com. As a next step, we encourage you to find a solid Bible-based church to help you grow in your walk with God. With a special invitation regarding that, here's Pastor David. Yes, thanks, Chris. Even as believers, most of us need a fresh start at times. I hope that today's message has encouraged you in your faith and given you a hunger to learn more about God. If you're in the Casa Grande area and are looking for a church to attend, I'd be honored to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. You can find directions and service times by visiting theopenword.com and following the links at the bottom of the page to our church homepage. We'd love to have you get connected in. Being a part of our time of worshiping our Creator and studying the words of the Bible verse by verse as we all strive to grow closer to Him each week. Thanks, Pastor David. We're so glad you joined us today here on The Open Word. Pastor David will return to share more from the book of 2 Corinthians right here on The Open Word. Make us more.